0: I'm an alcoholic. My name is Bobby. Hi. Hi. I really want to say thank you for allowing Betty and I to come out and share with you at this wonderful conference. 49 years, that's an incredible thing, to keep something going that long. in an Alcoholics Anonymous. I'm honored. It, it, it always is just, it just amazes me, because all I wanted to do was stop the madness. I want to put the plug in the jug and just stop the madness. And if it's just been so many wonderful gifts. And, and I know the gifts come from the giver, but, but it's been incredible, an incredible journey of meeting people that we would never have met or came in contact with each other before. And it's the language of the heart. I'm honored. I'm really honored to be here. And I always meet some people that are so nice. Bob and Juanita, we, we met up at Erie. And Jack and his wife uh shannon and and Mary and Bo, good to see you. I want to say thank you for allowing me to be a part of this wonderful uh, night. You know i uh, my sponsor, I called him tonight uh, because I wanted to let him know what I was doing. I always keep in contact with him is Larry van Dusen. and I heard a, heard a wonderful story about a sponsorship. And I'm going to share that with you to get me from stop shaking up here. <laughs> I still shake. 34 years and I still shake. Uh, guy walked into a meeting and he was early and there was a young man sitting over in the corner. And the guy was crying. You know, He's all that crying. The guy went over. He says, anything wrong? May I help you? He says, yes. My wife ran off with my sponsor. I sure do miss my sponsor. <laughs> so Betty can leave tonight. Larry, please don't go no place. <laughs> I don't do Al-Anon jokes. I have to go back to Cleveland, you know, so I live with one. <laughs> but But we do this check thing because I'm getting old, you know, and I forget to do certain things. So I'm up at Cook Forest and I'm leading, and I'm running my mouth and going. And she's on the front row, like she's sitting there now. And she's pointing at my fly. And I'm thinking, what's wrong with this woman? I keep talking, and she keeps pointing at my fly. And I'm saying to myself, can she wait till we get back to the hotel? (laughs) You know, I didn't know she wasn't that excited. But come to find out, my fly is open, you know. So now we do all the checks. And the al don't know how to say it nice. Did you zip up? I said, yes, dear. Yes, dear. <laughs> so that's what we say. Yes, dear. Yes, dear. I was born in Birmingham, Alabama. I was born when black wasn't beautiful, and I didn't like being black. The one that I want to become somebody else is that it was horrible times for us as black folk. We were Negroes at one time. We were colored, and now we're African American. And I am so proud to be who I am. And thank God for Alcoholics Anonymous allowing me to become the man that I am today. But it was horrible times there in Alabama. And God has a way of just having people show up in your life. I lived at Fort Walton Beach, Florida. And my host was a gentleman by the name of Ben. And Ben lived across the mountains where, uh, where the rich people lived. And I lived over there where black folks live, and never were we to meet. He's my host, his wife, and, and her met Betty and I, and had a wonderful time. Had a wonderful time with Ben. And I don't, I don't get a new story when I go out of town, because that's part of me. Alabama is a part of me. That's why I'm standing before you tonight. But but I, t- I tell that story everywhere I go, but, but about the Ku Klux Klan and all of that. But Ben's father was, had been a grand wizard there. And we met, had a glorious time. And everything that Ben had wanted to say to a black man, he had never said before, he had a chance to say it to Bobby Moore. He sent me a beautiful letter, two-page letter, and I read the letter after I got back to Cleveland from Fort, Fort Walton Beach. And I said to Larry, and my sponsors, Larry, you got to see this. And Larry says, I faxed him a letter from my office. And Larry said he wanted to make amends to you what had happened. And he told me stories of how his father would, would had, he'd seen black men castrated and burned and shot and killed. <laughs> and he said to me, Bobby, I did not have, that was not something that I wanted to do, but I didn't want to be chastised by the Klan. <laughs> and i thought what a wonderful thing that happens in the magic of alcoholics anonymous that men are healed men are forgiven you know he had come overcome some of his demons like bobby moore has overcome many of his demons you know i get to alcoholics anonymous and i don't know about you i don't feel like you look and I know my life is a shamble. You don't have to tell me I've had everything happen to me in the streets of Cleveland. Uh, and I've done it some to myself because I ended up being a street person. I'm a wino. I know some of you ladies are winettes, but I'm a wino. <laughs> don't you? You're buying then. They don't drink wine, you know. But had so much had happened prior to getting here, Raised in Birmingham, Alabama, baptized as zion Baptist church, sang gospel music with my pastor's daughter, and I'm on the streets of Cleveland doing anything. Skid Row is a state of mind. You take it to suburbia. And for those of you who have never been on the streets or did all the sordid things that I did as a street person, I will not be judged by you. I will be judged by God. God has forgiven me, but I don't feel like that when I come to you in Alcoholics Anonymous. So much had happened. And if you would say to me about my drinking, Bobby, I think you got a problem with alcohol. Alcohol is not my problem. Alcohol is my solution because you hear around the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous, the committee, committee, committee. I had a committee in my head. I work in psychiatry, and I could have been diagnosed as a paranoid schizophrenic when I'm drinking because I hear things, and I see things, and I act out, and I hate, and I'm angry, and there's so much resentment and so much stuff in so much stuffing that I don't know what to do. And you give me a drink, and it calms me down. It stops the committee from running its mouth in my head. Because I want to kill somebody. I want to hurt somebody. Had my first drunk when I was about 12 or 13 years old. Corn liquor, Birmingham, Alabama. I know you guys are hip to that in Kentucky. We had some liquor that'll knock you down. They call it Joe Lewis Whiskey, baby. Knock you down. And it had a punch to it, you know. Got drunk with some kids that my grandmother said, stay away from. I was raised right. God-fearing parent, grandmother. My, my mother got pregnant when she was about 12 or 13 years old with me. My daddy split after four boys. He didn't want to be married. But during the time I grew up, you didn't, you didn't bring, as my grandmother termed it, bastard babies into the world. I say that with no offense to anyone who has children out of wedlock. My daughter in the back lives with me, and her daughter lives with me, and my daughter is not married, and my granddaughter certainly isn't a bastard child. My story, my time, and so much that I learned growing up in Alabama, some of the stuff was good, God and all that good stuff, and some of it was not so good. You know, Had stuff started happening to this little curly-haired boy when he was young, before the drink. I got molested when I was a little boy. It took me 10 years in Alcoholics Anonymous to talk about healing. When you're talking about in the rooms coming to grips with your demons. And we all have them. I'm not talking about demonic stuff. That stuff that you don't want nobody to know you did or happened to you. I got molested and that hurt me by some people that were supposed to be friends to my mom. And my dad, my mother died not knowing that these people, the person had done what they had done to me. And you get, I need a drink to stop this in my head. I got drunk with those kids, and, and alcoholism is about losses. It's not about materialistic things, money and cars. We can regroup and get that. I lost me in the streets of Cleveland. I lost my dignity. I lost my self-respect. I would do anything for a drink of alcohol. I would do anything for some money. My story, my time, you know. Skid Row is a state of mind. You take it to suburbia. And all of the things that I was taught in that Baptist church, everything that I say I had never do, I had crossed it off when I got to you. And I didn't need you to judge me. I didn't need you to judge me. I needed somebody that I could talk to that would not talk about what I had done. Because I had done some serious stuff. People had died as a result of my drunk mouth. People had gone to the penitentiary as a result of my drunk mouth. Healing. Healing in Alcoholics Anonymous, That we come to grips with all of that stuff that used to keep us hurt and keep us drinking and keep us hating. I hated myself, you know. I got drunk with those kids, and they brought me home, and they dumped me on the porch, and I had a no-nonsense mother. My mother carried a gun. My mother didn't play, and she wouldn't have cared about a 1-800-nothing, you know. No. (laughs) No. Ashley was little, and I said, if you don't stop doing that, pumpkin, daddy is going to spank your little legs. You can't, you know, and she said to me, she began to recite the 1-800 number. I said, you call anybody you want to call. I'm going to spank them legs. My mother was no different. And my mother drew a gun on me. We had alcoholism in our family. And I led one time on the west side of Cleveland. The guy said, oh, you came out of a dysfunctional family. I said, hell no. My family wasn't dysfunctional. I was dysfunctional. My family was great. My mother and my grandfather, my grandfather died working in the coal mines. My grandmother was a homemaker, God-fearing woman, didn't send us to Sunday school. She took us. We better be standing somewhere where she could find us when she came to church. And my mother looked at me drunk, and she said, Sonny, before I see you like this, I'd rather see you dead. I didn't know what my mother meant. I'm just having fun. And 30, 35, and I'm walking the streets of Cleveland doing anything. You want me to steal for you? Give me a drink. You want me to lie for you? Give me a drink. You want me to make love to you and I hate your guts? Give me a drink. Alcoholism, not wasm, ism. And just think, your your bottom may not have been mine, but baby, you got some stories yourself. Because alcohol takes us to some places to do some things we never thought we would do. The incredible part about that and the good news about that, the young lady who has 90 days it gets better. And that stuff that used to keep me walking, looking like this and not looking in you in your eyes, I can stand toe-toe with you, no better than, no less than, but I'm one of God's children. God has forgiven me. And I remember, I, remember I was telling somebody at the, at, at, at the table last night, the woman that started my home group, I got two. Well, Wednesday Night Unity, and I've been there since it started. I have 34 years in July. Our anniversary is April the 14th of this year. The group will be 34. I will be 34 in July. The the VA Saturday group meet on a Saturday morning. In the morning at 1030, I've been going there for 34 years to both of those groups. I'm the last one to leave Wednesday Night Unity. I click the lights out. I sell the tickets. I mop the floor. I'm there to welcome a new man, a new woman into that group. I still do what my sponsor said do, you know, still do what my sponsor, he's been there a long time. Huh. Graduated from high school, an honor student, most likely, likely to succeed, you know, smartest dude in the class, best looking dude in the class, got to say that. <laughs> ain't always been this old, you know. They kill me in AA. You're a nice looking man for your age, you know. I was good looking, trust me. (laughs) Right, Miss Betty. (laughs) Oh God. I'm hanging around rhythm and blues singers of the day. I'm hanging around gospel singers of the day. I'm young. I know nothing about life, De- dealing with life on lifestyle, terms responsibility. If it feels good, I want some more. That's why I drank. That's why my sexual conduct was out of, out of order. If it felt good, I wanted some more. Had no clue about dealing with life and life on life's terms. Thank God for Alcoholics Anonymous. I come back from Chicago after graduation and granny say, you're going to get a job, At this time my mother's in Detroit with her new husband and I live with my grandmother and I'm, I, I'm there with my grandmother and I don't want to go to college and I get a job and if there was a time I drank successfully was during that period of time. Now for a burden alcoholic in the making, I just can't stay there where you get mellow and feel good and you smell good and you look good, you make the right moves on the dance floor. You know, I'd always have one more, you know. Then i turn into Filthy McNasty, you know. You know, be debonair and soft, you know. And then i I have that one drink too many. Then i talk about your mama, your daddy, your old ugly grandmama, and I don't even know her, you know. Got beat up a lot, trust me. These teeth aren't, I used to say these teeth aren't mine, but they are. I bought them. (laughs) They got kicked out, but trust me. <laughs> now I was raised during the time you got your fanny tan. Everybody in the community raised you. You know, there's an African proverb that says it takes a village to raise a child. I, you, the community raised you. You can't do that today with kids today. Teachers got in your business, spank your butt. And, and every time I'd act ugly in the cafes and clubs there in Birmingham, Granny would get it before I get home and I'm sick of these old nosy navels in my business. You know, I'm young and I bounce back and, and, and I think I'm having fun. You know, and I get a letter from Uncle Sam and I'm inducted into the armed services. I do my basic in Fort Chaffee, Arkansas. I ended up in Osberg, Germany Strange, customs, Strange, booze. And the first thing I say when I get off the ship and I can drink like I wanted, have fun like I wanted, them nosy neighbors can't dip in my business. I had no business. You know, I'm young and I bounce back. Walter seeks his own level. I'm stationed around the University of Munich. I could have gone to college in in the army. I'm in some guest house. I'm in some whorehouse. I'm drunk the whole time I'm I'm over there. I do my basic in Fort Taffy, Arkansas and I I work in S-1 there with the colonel and sergeant major. I had met Dr. Martin Luther King when I was a young man. He came out of Montgomery. My pastor at that time was a friend of his from Montgomery, Alabama. The movement was in its infinite days and uh, Alabama Christian Movement for Human Rights, and we meet every Monday night at a different church because the police would harass us. And mm-hmm. I- I- when we get together, a- and so I met Dr. King, and and I'm in Germany, and the police are beating his butt and He got his picture over the European paper, and I'm upset, drunk with the cause. We are dangerous, you know. <laughs> we are some dangerous people. You know, sober I could articulate the plight of the black man and talk intelligently about what's going on. My second sponsor was a psychologist, and Rudy would talk about an old B.B. B. King song. Same old story, same old song. Goes all right till it goes all wrong. You know, I wasn't born no alcoholic, and it kills me when I hear something. I was an alcoholic long before I picked up a drink. How could you be? You might have been a damn fool, but you weren't no alcoholic. <laughs> I hate, I'm angry, I'm resentful. Angry people don't have fun. People who hate don't have fun. I'm in the EM club, the music is blaring, everybody's shaking their booty, they're having fun. I'm not having any fun. I've clocked Dr. King being in jail in my head. And the more I drink, the more angry I get. And then I finally, I leaned over to one of the guys next to me, and I said, someone of another color, call us a name we don't like to be called. And one of the worst race riots erupted. I'm responsible. Three guys died that night in the snow, and I don't like me. You see, when I got to Alcoholics Anonymous, they would say, kid, I spilled more beer on my towel than you drank. That was not the case with me. I drank a lot, but I reaped Havoc on the people that love me. I reap havoc and chaos. And I created problems. I'm skinny and I'm little. And I create, because I'm hurting. And the only way I want to do is to hurt you. Hurt people hurt people. I want to make you feel what I feel. can't beat you physically. But I can talk about you. And I can curse you out. I can start something and create a fight. Story of mine. Three guys died in that snow that night, and I'm responsible. Now, you take about 25 years of drinking with me doing this crap I'm doing, and a lot of stuff happened. I remember walking down Huff, Huff Avenue in Cleveland, and, and, and the guy shooting at me, shoots the guy next to me. He dies. I almost got, I got 33 years of uninterrupted sobriety, soon to be 34. And I used to look up and say, why God? Why him? Why this? Someone would call me from Birmingham, Alabama, and say, Sister so, so, So-and-So, they used to sing in the senior choir junior. She died. I said, Why you take her? Take me. I know what I am. And about nothing, you know. As in that Baptist church, if you drank alcohol, you're gonna go to hell. You know, you smoke cigarettes, you're going to hell. You had sex and wasn't married, ooh, wee. <laughs> you're gonna burn in hell. <laughs> so I'm doing all of the above and more. We're going to have a good time on the way to hell because I'm going. I'm going to take a six pack to the devil. We're going to burn up some (laughs) folks. Thank God for Alcoholics Anonymous. Thank God for saving the drunk (laughs) me. Thank God. I get an honorable discharge from the Army because I had broke all the laws. I should have went to jail in the Army. Booze was rationed. Cigarettes was rationed. I typed out the requisition for the booze and cigarettes. We sold the booze to the Germans. Sold the cigarettes to the Germans. I shipped the money home to Granny, and I'm drunk every day. I get an honorable discharge, but for the grace of God. And all the jackpots I used to get out of, I would think it was because of me. And I get to you and Alcoholics Anonymous, and I see that poem, Footprints in the Sand. God was there all the time, never left me. In spite of me, he's always been there. In spite of me sober, he's always been there. He's never left me. And I can say emphatically, God, I don't say no higher power, it's God for me. You have to find that. Sponsors can't find that, can't do that for you. It's something very quiet, very very private, and very personal. Because when you're connected with God, you don't treat people like some people do in Alcoholics Anonymous. And these aren't earth people that sometimes treat us mean and unkind. And sometimes I've seen them around Cleveland forget. They forget from whence they come. I remember I had a woman in my home group. And, and, and the guy uh, called her by her street name. She had been a street walker. She had been hooker, prostitute, whatever you want to call her. God uses us. God takes us and cleans us out and uses us for his good. And the guy called her by her street name. And she's, I knew she was working on a master's degree. And I, she, didn't, she didn't tell him that. But she very eloquently, very beautifully turned around. She said, that's not my name. My name is da-da-da-da-da-da. That was my street name. Now, she didn't say to the gentleman, I never was a prostitute. I never was on the streets. She simply said to him very beautifully, I don't live like that no more. And that's what I say to you tonight. I alluded to a lot of stuff we don't have all night to go through my hell. But I don't live like that no more. With 12 Steps and the God of my understanding, I've lost about four sponsors, and I will not be without a sponsor. Larry Van Dusen is my current sponsor. I have two home groups that I've been in for the last 34 years. I'm not homeless anymore. I'm not homeless I get back to Cleveland. I mean, I get back to Alabama out of the army with an honorable discharge. But for the grace of God, I move back into the room. I went to high school out of, I pay no rent, I buy no food, and I'm drunk every day. Every decision I make is is affected by my alcoholism. I don't know I'm an alcoholic. I know I act up when I drink. I know when I start drinking, I cannot stop. I know I do things that I don't remember that I think you're lying on me. I have no recollection of doing it or saying it but you tell me I did it and, and I come to find out I was having blackouts a long time ago. I'm in my grandmother's home and we get a letter from my mother's minister and I'm drunk every day. I don't get a job. I don't even draw employment. I don't go back to college. I got money and bonds that I shipped home from the Germans that I sold, sold stuff to and I'm drunk every day and I got a bunch of renter friends. You know those people that say you're a cool dude. You're a nice guy, Bob. I wasn't no nice guy. I had some money. I was buying the booze. And when when they stopped telling me what a nice guy I was or paying homage to me, I get some more. I just need you to validate to me I'm okay. See, I know the committee's in my head, and I'm not okay. And I drink like a fish, and I act out when I drink, but I'm not okay. But you tell me I'm okay, I'm fine with that. We get a letter from my mother's minister, the logist of the letter. She's living now in a little town called South Pittsburgh, Tennessee. My mom was dying. The minister thought we were some bad people that wouldn't come to see about my mother. I knew nothing about her being sick. My grandmother said, go see about your mother. I get on the train. I go to South Pittsburgh, Tennessee, and I'm not ready for what I'm about to see. I'm a mama's boy. And I walk into my mother's bedroom, and she ain't pretty no more. And she's skin and bone and she's dying of cancer. And I feel helpless and I feel hopeless, but I know how to spare relief. I sell my mother's house and I go back to Alabama and I watch her die a horrendous death, begging God to kill her. And at that point in my life, I wanted nothing to do with that God. Kill some prostitute, kill some drug addict, kill some alcoholic, leave my mama alone. That's not rational thinking. Death is a part of living, and I've learned in Alcoholics Anonymous that we're going to all, everybody who hears me tonight, we're going to leave here one day. I went to a, a funeral one time, and the minister said, the dash between birth and death is, is your life, and it represents your lifetime. And it has been an incredible ride for 34 years. For 34 years, it has been an incredible ride. Cancer stinks, and it smells. I have no sisters. My brother's in California with my dad. I got to clean my mother up. She resents the hell out of me seeing her naked, and we fight every day. That's my mama. I didn't stop drinking. There's a bottle of booze under the bed, and when she was fed clean and put a clean gown on her and changed the linen, and I feed her, and she'd fall off to sleep, I reach under the bed, and I grab my bottle, and I drink myself to sleep. And one Saturday, I leaned down to kiss, and she was no longer with us. And a brother of mine went to high school with me. And he put his arms around me and said, "I know how you feel." I said, "No, you don't. Your mama's still living." Thirty-four years later, I don't say I know how you feel in Alcoholics Anonymous if I hadn't walked in your shoes. Give you a piece of money, love you till you can learn to love yourself. Your mama died. called me. I know exactly how you feel. And I drank three bottles of wine told you I'm a wino and I went to that funeral and just screamed. I had no tears inside of me. I cried for two years. My brother's in Cleveland and suggest I come to Cleveland after the funeral funeral just to forget. I got to Cleveland in the early sixties and some of you kids weren't born. Cleveland wasn't a plum. They refer, refer to it as a plum now. Wasn't a plum. It was a bunch of dilapidated buildings and I, I was ready to go back to Alabama because I know every nook and cranny where the after hour joints and the hustlers and everybody, the movers and the shakers are there. I know where they are. know nothing about this big, raggedy city. And I get there, my brother lives on Crawford Road and Huff Avenue. And I'm sure there's a city, a, a, a part of town here in Kentucky like that. The prostitutes worked all night long, the hustlers and the pimps were on the streets, and I became a part of now, I don't drag you through that sewer in the gutter. Skid Row, I told you, is a state of mind. If you haven't done stuff like that, don't judge me. I will not be judged by you. And I believe God has forgiven me for all the stuff that I've done. But I've got to tell you what it was like. And so many times it killed me when somebody said, Well, I, I want to get to the good stuff. What is the good stuff? The good stuff is the good news that I overcame this ugly stuff. But there's somebody with 90 days out that need to know before I put on a suit and tie, I was a puking, falling down, stinking drunk who would still lie, cheat, and sleep with anybody. Because you got some kids that are coming through that those doors are doing the same thing at 15 and 16. I work in treatment. And they need to know that you love them. Not to talk about them, but reach down and hug them no matter how bad they smell. My paranoid schizophrenic say to me on the unit, Mr. Moore, you love us. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Because that psych unit has taught me so much about compassion, caring, and loving. You love us, don't you, Mr. Moore? Thank you, Alcoholics Anonymous, for teaching me how to love unconditionally. Yes, I love you, you. You're good to us, man. Yes, I am. Because God has been good to me. You know? huh, an incredible ride. And when you get to a point where I am in my life, and you get okay with God, and you're cemented in this program, nobody can hurt you. They can talk about you, but they can't hurt you. You call me anything but Bobby Moore, Bob Moore, Mr. Moore, my job, I answer to nothing else. I love what T.D. Jake says, your opinion of me does not define who I am. And you grow up in these rooms. I learned from old cultures how to be a daddy, how to be a husband, you know, how to be a friend. <laughs> and incredible, and when this stuff is in you, no matter what happens, it doesn't matter. <clears throat> when you got God in one hand and AA in the other, it doesn't matter. Woo! I hit the streets and I damn near died on the streets, and the stuff happened to me on the streets just don't happen. You don't live behind it. I remember God stabbing me in in my heart and living in a bar called the Dome Bar off 105th between Euclid and Chester. I fall on Euclid Avenue, and one of the ladies in the furniture store said, He's just drunk. God has these little angels down here. And the other woman said, But it's something different about him tonight. And she called 911, and I went to Mount Sinai in the 70s, open heart surgery two stabs in my heart and liver, eight and a half hours of surgery, and I used to carry my family's phone numbers in my wallet. And the doctor says to one of the nurses, did you call those numbers in his wallet? He won't live until morning. And when somebody says in Alcoholics Anonymous, pray for Joe Blow, he won't live till morning, uh-uh, it's in God's hands. I believe that emphatically. You ain't going to God says so. Four times. The doctor said, I will not live until morning, and I stand before you, a living testament. And all of the stuff that you go through, and I'm certainly that somebody's going through something tonight, if God brings you to it, he'll take you through it. If he brings you to it, he'll thank you, take you through it. I love gospel music. I love it. And there was a song, there's a blessing on the other side of through. And I couldn't comprehend at one time. And finally it hit me. When God takes you through it, whatever the it is, fill in. We had a year from hell, Betty and I. Betty got sick, she had a lumpectomy, was cancerous. They removed the tumor from her breast, chemo, radiation, blah, blah, blah. Soon as we get over that, her mom dies. Love my, grand, my mother-in-law. Love my mother-in-law. Only somebody that went down there every day went better. And and nobody, none of them went. I went every day to check on her before I went to bed. She called me her little angel. She don't like giving me that, you know. She gave me that Allen on nod. <laughs> she loved me. She loved me. <laughs> Oh! Right after that, my dad, who I thought I hated, was in Decatur, Georgia. I had to go back and take care of my daddy. And I didn't know the man. He was an old Army retired man. I had to pick him up off of the floor. He'd get confused for the bathroom was, And I'm picking my daddy up, and he said, I never thought I'd see one of my kids have to do this for me. I said, it's okay, Dad. I'm here for you Thank you, Alcoholics Anonymous, because if I hadn't had Alcoholics Anonymous, I thought I hated him. He was on that list that I hated. Took care of him, he died. We get through those three things, and my daughter now is a teenager, and she goes, stark raving mad. (laughs) I could have did a 12-step call on it. It wasn't drug alcohol. Boys. And I was thinking about doing some time for one of them. I was going to go to. <laughs> they're going to say, what's this old man doing in the penitentiary? I was going to kill him. I didn't know. All the spirituality went out of the room. And I said to her, I could not keep him out of my home. I said, I can't keep him away from you. I said, call him, honey. You need a place to stay. You can't stay here. You're not going to disrespect me. I've been too good. To put out. I'm crying, slinging snot, driving down the freeway. My pastor is my buddy. He was my buddy before he he became a minister, and he's also one of us. I said, Walter, I just put Ashley out. He said, pull over. And he knew the story of me and Ashley. He said, Ashley is defiant, Bobby. God is going to have to spank her. And like the prodigal son, she'll come back home. She did, did it again, and I put her out again. Second time was not as bad. Now I told you, my daughter and my granddaughter lives with us. I hear my daughter talking to her girlfriends on the phone. I got the best daddy in the whole wide world. I know my daddy loves me. Thank you, alcoholics. The gift. The gift that, the gifts that we get here. And sometimes we take it so lightly the gifts that we get here, the angels that God puts in our life to help us get to the next level, the gifts come from God Almighty. Tell you a story about how I started believing in God because in Alabama, God was a punishing God. To me, he was a great big fat white dude with a beard. (laughs) And everything I'm doing, he's writing it down. You know, that tablet is full. (laughs) lady that started Wednesday night unity was a little pretty little white lady pretty little lady that loved me in spite of me she would say to me did you ask God to forgive you I said God don't want to talk to me she said he likes to hear from new people strange voices (laughs) tried Bobby he likes to hear from strange voices in her little eyes, I saw love, I saw compassion, I saw caring. Everything that God is supposed to be, Marie was. She got me to God. It's emphatically God tonight. Whoo! <laughs> <laughs> that's an incredible ride. My la, uh, I got sick. Now I'm bleeding from the mouth and rectum, and I don't go to the ER, I don't find a physician. I had a brother of mine that lived across from Cleveland Clinic. I'm drinking vodka, chasing it with beer. Guy had a television set in the corridor. I would have to pass the TV set 30th or 40th time. Who's counting? And one of the times I come back by the television set, Channel 43 had a commercial. Do you have a drinking problem? Now, what makes me call that number? I know nothing about Bill, Bob, AA12, step Big Book, nothing. And I called that number with no intentions of staying sober. God doing for me what I couldn't do for myself. Dick Perez was our district office secretary and sent out my little first sponsor, a little bull-legged black guy by the name of Herman Wade, alias Hooks. And, excuse me, and I thank God it was Hooks. Because I, I didn't hear all the rhetoric when I first come in this program that I hear around the room, rooms today. You know, one drunk, like Bill Wilson did for Dr. Bob Smith, reaching down. Picking that drunk up. And that's what Hooks did. Took me to Brecksville VA Hospital. And I was to meet the second man to affect my life for the rest of my life. He's a little short white guy. I am hating. (laughs) He stood up. He's short like my sponsor. My name is Phil Burkhart. And I have 35 years of uninterrupted sobriety. And I leaned over to the guy next to him. I said, He's telling a damn lie. <laughs> Nobody can stay sober 35 years. He stay sober 35 minutes. But as I've done so in Alcoholics Anonymous, it's an acquired quality. You listen to learn, learn how to listen. I heard what that little giant said. He asked us, What's the most important thing to us? and allowed us to respond. The guy said, A wife, house, car, money, sex. And he went down this list of things. We went down this litany of things that were important to us. And when we were done, this is what that little giant said. If you let sobriety play preference in your life, you put it above the wife, the car, the house, the job, whatever that is important to you, because without it, sobriety, you will lose everything that is near and dear. I knew that. I knew that. I got out of the Army. cat said, come to New York, Bobby. Let me do this for you. I'll call you. And I got a glass of booze in my hand. Come to L.A., Bobby. Let me do this. for. You. I'll call you. Never went back to school till I got, never got, went to college till I got sober. Never got married until I got sober. Never held a job down until I got sober. Never in a meaningful relationship. Love meant something different for me. Love meant you gave me. You took me to New York. You bought me things. You gave me money. Love meant that to me. You stopped that, I find somebody else. To love me. Totally distorted of my thinking about love. And if you can't do something for me, then I want nothing to do with you. Totally different than today. To love somebody who is unlovable, and I've had people in my home group, I've had people I've sponsored, to love them even when they are unlovable. That's what this program has taught me. It's taught me to love even when you are unlovable. Been an incredible ride. An incredible ride. I lost one of the guys I sponsored, third or fourth one. And I had to say something over Sam at the funeral. But I would go to him every, every night we'd go to see him. Four, four dudes and I bonded, two of his sponsees and another guy, two other guys I sponsored, we'd go every night. And to see these big macho dudes stand there crying. Praying, holding Sam's hand as Sam is slowly leaving us. One night, Sam's—I I looked at him very frail, and I said, "You're getting tired. I'm going to go. I've sat here long enough." And he said, "Oh, by the way, if I get to heaven before you do, Bobby Moore, you want me to have a cup of coffee waiting on you? Do you take cream and sugar?" And it was one of the most profound things I've had somebody. Say to me, and again, I get on the phone, call my sponsor. I, I got to tell you what Sam said to me. He said, "Bobby, Sam knows where he is going, and he believes you're going to join him." <laughs> and those are times, the greatest times in here, that you get to see this stuff in action. Here's a guy who gave it away till he couldn't give it away no more, but he also taught me how to die with dignity. That's the beauty of this stuff. And I think sometimes it goes over some of our heads, the importance of why we're here, to help another drunk keep the doors open. But by all means, be there for the sick and suffering alcoholic who's coming through those doors, you know, to give of ourselves to these people we sponsor, and we don't own them. We don't own them. And that's what I constantly I have to say: you don't own the people that you sponsor, but you're there to guide them through the stuff, the steps, the big book. And I've, I've got one guy, my guys are something. I've got one guy that calls me. And everything I did in our in home group and doing and anniversary, he's, he's little mini me, you know, little mini me. And I said, Bill, he went to New York and I'm here. And uh, he said, i talked, he called me twice since I've been here. But that's the relationship I have with those guys. You're part of their lives and you watch them grow up as men. You watch them become daddies like I have. I wish for you what Alcoholics Anonymous has done for me. This is a gift, and I don't take it lightly, that you bring me in here, that you want to hear me. It's a gift, and I'm honored. I'm in awe, and I'm always so grateful. I really am, and I'm grateful to God that, 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 that he allows me to have the strength to keep going, and as I've gotten older, to be able to have sound mind and be able to still remember and to do what has been done for me so freely, the gift that was given to me. My first sponsor would talk about MAP, meetings, activity, and prayer. Action is the name of the game, Bobby Moore. Get in the middle of the bed. And when you get to ripping and running and going and doing, it's to remember halt. An alcoholic is not to get too hungry, too angry, too lonely, or too tired. My second sponsor believed everything in Alcoholics Anonymous was a celebration. Go to a meeting, a celebration. And certainly tonight, the 49th roundup here that you have in Kentucky is a huge celebration and a honored. Everything in life, get up in the morning, celebration. Was not sick, went into our doctor's office, we shared the same doctor, had an aneurysm and died. Three people were to be notified if something was to happen to him. Barry Brooks, our physician, he died with Barry giving him mouth-to-mouth resuscitation. Bobby Moore, I'm on the fourth floor at St. Vincent Charity Hospital. The phone rings, and Barry says, are you standing? Yes, sit down. Rudy is with me, and he just died. I run over to Father Joe McMahon, who was the third man on that list that Rudy wanted to be told. I just don't believe things happen by chance. We were supposed to meet tonight. I was supposed to be here tonight. We were supposed to meet. And I'm so grateful to God to be able to know that, to know that. And I am so grateful to God to be a part of this celebration. (laughs) Bill Burkhart, bless his heart. You know, this guy had 35 years. When I met him, knew Bob, had met Bob, met Bill. I did my first anniversary at Kaiser Permanente Hospital, and he came with a guy named Dennis. He sponsored them both of their wives. And he says to me outside of the hospital, let no one sway you, Bobby. And when the AA gurus want to debate me, I debate no one in Alcoholics Anonymous. Bill Wilson once wrote, for those of us who can read and understand, your interpretation may be different than mine. Don't drink, don't use any mood, mind, altering substance, and maybe it will clear up. He said, let no one sway you. The 12 steps are our program. And he broke them down to me. Step one through three is acceptance Four through six is house cleaning. Seven through nine is building. And 10 through 12 are maintenance stuff. We've got to give this stuff away to keep it. And for 34 years, I've tried to do the best that I can be. I can't live up to your expectation. I don't try. I live up to God's. And with a God conscious, I know when I've done wrong. With a God conscious, I know when I've got to come back and say I'm sorry. With a God conscious, I try to be the best that I can be. I fall short. I fall short in my relationship on my job. I fall short in my relationship with my Al-Anon. But I know that God forgives me because I ask for forgiveness from them, and I make amends whenever possible. Thank you, Alcoholics Anonymous, for this incredible journey. Thank you. Thank you here at the Roundup for allowing me to be a part of this. And it's an honor, just a pleasure to know you too. Just an honor. And you too, Jen. <laughs> uh, if you're new, don't go nowhere. If you're new and don't understand why we're so crazy and, and laugh at some of the stuff that we did, just stay here because you'll have your turn. If you're new, get your sponsor. If you're new, get your home group and walk this new way of life. I'm going to say add one word to your vocabulary. Commitment. You were committed to getting high, added to recovery, commitment, be teachable. You got some smart people that come through those doors with degrees. You know what they do with degrees and stuff like that. You have to dummy up. You got to dummy up to get this stuff. And it's so simple sometimes, it just goes over your head. You don't drink, you don't get drunk. And you do that one day at a time for the rest of your life. I want to thank you for listening. I want to thank you for asking. May the road rise up to meet you. May the wind always be at your back. May the sun shine warm upon your face and the rain fall soft upon your fields. And until we meet again, may God hold you in the palm of his hands. Thank you.